Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod and another episode of Rebels Talk Part 10. Leading you into Star Wars Ahsoka is uh, both myself and your co-host Blake, which we will get into just a moment. Before we start, uh, if anyone can help us out by uh, throwing down a five stars, leaving a review, you know, just want to get that out front so uh, that way while you listen to us, you can maybe work at that while... Uh, well, we talk your ear off about Star Wars Rebels, so, um, you know, Star Wars Rebels, everybody. Uh, part 10, we're going to be talking about uh, a couple episodes today, Season 2, Episodes 17, 18, 19, and 20. This is Rebel Stock Part 10. Let's get into it. Welcome back, sir. Chut chat. Good to be here. Chut chat. Always good to have you back. <laughs> Notice how no one ever used that except for like Attachment and Phantom Menace. No one else has said chut chat. Chut chat, Wado. Yeah, I That's don't know. It. Well, that was Attack of the Clones, actually. But yeah. I'm sorry. No, you're right. I didn't hear it in the Phantom Menace. Maybe it was like, no, no, George. Maybe it's like. One movie's too, two, two movies too much. <laughs> You can only use that once. I think it maybe it's like the you know the the youth slang of Tatooine that kind of caught on around Attack of the Clones. Then maybe yeah, maybe maybe that maybe that's the case. I don't know the 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 Hutti slang, yeah, as right. they would call it. Yeah, um, we don't hear a lot Hutti's in the animated shows for some reason. Every one speaks yeah basic. That actually kind of annoys me because. You see, like, mm-hmm. Rodians and more every every race, yeah. which traditionally, a lot of them would use Hatties, right? Like, because they wanted to sound all alien-y. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Instead, they just all speak basic, which, if if it's a galaxy of, you know, quadrillions of, of life forms, mm-hmm. speaking basic is kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, no, it is a little bit. Uh, well, uh, like I mentioned before, I mean, uh, I, you and I, we love to see those five stars coming in. Um, does it make you happy? Makes I'm more of happy. a four star man myself. Four stars. All right. <laughs> well, I can live with that. <laughs> uh, but I like we to lower the bar a little bit so I don't get disappointed. We do have a, a message from uh, a very special friend of ours, Admiral Ularen. Stop. Escape Pod is the Republic's choice of podcast anywhere in the galaxy. Leave a stellar review on Tune in each week for more. That's right. Thank you, Admiral Admiral Ularen. Thank you very much for that. Ooh, stellar review. Stellar review. Yeah. Interstellar. 
Interstellar, yeah. Interstellar review. Um, anyway, yeah, I know it's just like just throwing it out there. Uh, if if you've if you've been listening to Star Wars Escape Off for a while and you haven't left a review yet, that would that would really help us out. It helps us in the search results because, as you know, there might be a lot of Star Wars podcasts out there, and uh, yeah, and we we like to see Star Wars Escape Pod succeed, obviously, because you know we're we're Star Wars Escape Pod, so. <laughs> No bias. Yeah, no bias there. But, uh, you know, if you want to throw us some points, it takes no time at all. It's free to do. And just it just makes, sh- us, yeah. it makes yeah. us happy because we don't get paid for this. Yeah, just throw a few shekels our way. Yeah, yeah. Please, sir, may I have some more? Uh, may I have a review, sir? Ma'am? <laughs> What's it? Uh, yeah. One quarter ration. One quarter portion. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like that. It's amazing. Yeah. Get out of here, Simon Pegg. Yeah, that's right. Man, that guy complains so much about the prequels, and then he gets in the first of the sequel movies. Yeah, he's sweating his face off. I'm, I'm sweating. I'm dying in the heat, but I'm doing it for Star Wars. Like he's as if he's like some hero. Like give me a break, yeah, Simon yeah, yeah. Pegg. Like come on. What, Everyone what would guy. love to be in your shoes yeah. right now. Yeah, exactly. There's people who would die for it. <laughs> Auto. Yeah. People might have actually died. Heat stroke. Yeah. George almost died. Got sent to the hospital. That's the thing? Yeah. First Star Wars movie. He got sent to the hospital. He was uh in so much stress. Yeah. Uh, he nearly had a had a had a heart attack. So Oh dang. Yeah. Yeah, that movie put him through the through Which, the ringer. Was it the first one? Yeah, the first one. Yeah. yeah. Man, no. he was young then too. It was like his thirties. Yeah, the pressure. The pressure. Overseas. Everything, you know, editing Tunisia. stuff, filming back here, yeah, flying yeah. back and forth it was a it was a nightmare. But oh. um, string budget too. Yeah, at some point we will, I think, get into the Paul Duncan Star Wars archives books. Uh, I don't haven't set them up on my shelf yet since I moved, but uh, but yeah, they they're fantastic books. You've seen them; they're these giant table size textbook. Oh, that behind yeah. the scenes, um, yeah. And Paul Duncan does interview George Lucas in there, and there's some really interesting stuff. There's uh, there's a lot of uh, cool explanatory things. Like he, George t- goes more into depth with what he would have done with his sequels and uh, midichlorians and so many things. So, oh, wow. That'd yeah. be really cool to get into. We'll, we'll definitely touch on that, I think, once the craziness of Star Wars Rebels and Ahsoka is, is over. Um, but in the meantime, I mean, we've got some uh, pretty cool Rebels episodes to talk about. Uh, this, this first one here, Season 2, Episode 17, The Honorable Ones, is tremendously well done. And uh, this one was directed by Brad Rao, written by Kevin Hopps, and premiered February 24th, 2016 on Disney XD. Uh, And the summary goes, The ghost crew receives a tip about imperial activity around the planet Geonosis and go to investigate, only to find the planet completely devoid of life and evidence of a large weapon having been constructed in orbit. When the crew boards one of the abandoned construction modules, they are ambushed by Agent Callus. Most of the crew is able to escape back to the ship, but Zeb is forced to take an escape pod. Callus hey. <laughs> pursues Zeb into the pod, which gets damaged during their struggle, and the pair crash land on Ge- one of Geonosis' icy moons. Callus's leg is injured in the crash, and he and Zeb are forced to work together to survive by fending off hostile monsters and climbing out of the cave that they are trapped in. During this, Callus admits to Zeb that he respects Lasats as warriors, but dislikes them due to his first squad being wiped out by a Lasat. 
He also reveals that he did not agree with the Empire's decision to exterminate the Lasats and that the bow rifle he claimed to have stolen from a dead Lasat honor guard was actually given to him by the guard after defeating him in an honorable duel. Upon reaching the surface, they activate their emergency transponder. The ghost arrives with uh, to rescue Zeb shortly after, and Cal's wishes to take his chances and wait for the Imperial rescue rather than be a rebel prisoner. Both he and Zeb part ways with a newfound respect for each other, and returning to his Star Destroyer, Cal's is greeted rather coldly, even by Imperial standards, and the episode concludes with him sitting in his quarters deep in thought. That was a pretty good summary, I would say, and uh, really sums it up pretty well. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we really missed anything, honestly. Yeah, quite frankly, that was that was the whole shebang. Um, one thing I did uh, I did want to elaborate on was this Lasat tradition of being defeated in battle and gif- giving your weapon to your enemy, whoever it may be, right? Um, and Zeb says that's called uh, the the Busan Kira, mm-hmm. and this is what I had to turn on the subtitles for when I was watching the episode because okay. I was like, "Sorry, what did he say? Busan Kira? What?" <laughs> um, so that's what it's called, right? The Busan Kira. Yeah, you know, yeah. I've actually had to do that before as well. Get honorably give to give away your weapon. Yeah, it was in a Yu Gi Oh duel. Oh dang! I know. Uh, Beyblades. <laughs> I don't think you do that, Beyblade. <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh, yeah. If you lose, you got to give up the best card. Here you are, sir. My finest possession. Now yours. No, my bit beast. <laughs> um, yeah, the the Busan Kira, I think, like, you know, the Mandalorians have their own cultural ways of doing stuff as well. Uh, kind of like how if you decide to challenge to someone in single-handed combat or whatever, you know, it's like, it's kind of like cowardly if you don't do it and pretty much you're going to be shunned for life if you don't mm-hmm. sort of thing. Right. Um, but it's just one of those things. I was like, okay, this is interesting. You know, it's, it's something that uh, not only elaborates on what we know about the Lasak culture, but also gives us insight into how Zeb's perspective was when he last saw those Lasats that were no longer warriors and they were just pacifist kind of religious Lasats. And he was so confused, right? And now this kind of explains a bit more. Is like, that's the kind of culture that, oh, you die and you give your weapon to the enemy? Like, that's, uh, you know, that's that's pretty... There's a lot of honor in it, right? Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of honor in, in fighting and respect. Yeah, totally. Skill. Totally, yeah. Uh, kind of re- a little bit, again, uh, reminiscent of maybe perhaps uh, Japanese culture in a way. You know, again, all that samurai stuff that that george is usually pulling from uh perhaps there's something there that dave was able to pull from as well just to kind of implement that into the lasak culture yeah there definitely is a lot of respect for like fellow warriors and stuff Mm -hmm. a lot of traditional japanese warrior culture yeah yeah for sure uh the empire would have likely left callus behind i i kind of hate to say that i that was the one thing about this episode that didn't really make sense to me was when they left you know, I would have thought, and I've seen this episode before, but um, I would have thought that Callus would have abandoned. died. Yeah, yeah, I, that's how I expect it to. I think from what we've known the Empire to be like in Andor and mm-hmm. in a lot of other Star Wars stories, like they definitely would have not gone back for just a simple ISB officer. Like he is high ranking, but he's not like a Grand Moff. Yeah. Like I think they probably would have not even turned a, a head. It's like, oh, he was just missing in action. 
that's it. And even then, let's say it was a moth. If there was someone who was like had opportunity in him not coming back, they wouldn't get him. Yeah. They'd yeah. Just pretend he's dead. Yep. Exactly. Um, it's very cutthroat. I mean, that was all I noted down for this episode. I don't know if you got anything, but well, I think it's this is the first time we heard mentioned that Geonosis has no life forms. Yeah, yeah, that's the first time that they that's now sort of, I guess, knowledge that people have. And I know just because I've seen the show before that we will revisit Geonosis at some point. Clark, Clark, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it's just one of those one of those stories that I think like, you know, there will be future consequences and and future threads that tie into this. But um, it's cool to see how they're hinting. The fact that now at this point in the timeline, the construction of the Death Star has now moved somewhere else, right? Yeah, that was interesting because we were kind of led to believe that it was there start to finish until it's done. And then it was space where they can move around. But that means at this point, it is able to move on its own. Yeah, and uh, this this episode came out February 24th, 2016. And I believe this is still, you know, the same, you know, Rogue One came out that year in December. And, uh, you know, other than other than that, I mean, you know, it, it was just one of those things that I thought to myself, like, OK, maybe there was some communication there. Uh, perhaps Geonosis doesn't show up in Rogue One. So maybe there was some kind of communication as to, in regards was to it, where it should go was it mentioned in the books or was the only we just saw it at the end of revenge of the sith uh well we saw it at the end of revenge of the sith however we didn't see the planet it was over i don't think we just saw mm-hmm. the death star in space and then construction sort of i guess you know so i have a th- I, I think it started somewhere else right i think it started not in, in no not in genosis maybe somewhere in deep space somewhere and then it was moved and placed above Geonosis after the Empire became a thing. How do you move something like that if it's not... I think, that, I think that's the first thing. I, yeah, that's, well, it does, right? Because it can show up. We've never seen it go into hyperspace, but that's what it does. Because you imagine a moon in hyperspace? That's the thing, right? Those particles are not taking out that ship. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> like bugs on the bumper. That's the thing, though, because it goes from Geonosis to... to um, Jetta, mm-hmm. sorry, Jetta. Yeah, Jetta yeah, to by then, Scarif. Yeah, but by then it's to like almost it's basically complete. Yeah, to Scarif though, and then and then again later in episode four we have it all above Yavin. Yavin. So like it does get around. It's definitely got hyperdrive in there. I think it's the first thing that they built is like the core of this thing, and then in addition to that, perhaps how the core supports the surrounding skeleton, skeleton yeah. which is able to go into hyperspace like i imagine part of the core is a giant hyperdrive reactor or something like that right um that's what i would guess but uh that way they're able to move it around wherever they need those resources because across the galaxy they're also mining these giant kyber crystals right for the for the purpose of the space station so uh, it makes sense that they would probably make it move first beyond anything else but it was under construction at Genosis for a long time, and then they must have moved it. And it's like... So where do we get the idea then that it was built by Geonosians? Because it was built above Geonosis for a while. Yeah. Is, but when was that revealed? Was that is that in Rebels here? Spoilers. 
Uh, yeah, it is. It is in yeah. Rebels. Okay. Rebels reveals that the Geonosians did in fact work on it, and well, it was wiped out to keep the secret. It was also partially designed by the Geonosians. That's right. Yeah. From yeah. Clones. From clones. Yeah. So there is definitely sort of something, something, you know, and the, we know the Wookiees worked on it too. Yeah. That, see, that's the thing. So the old EU was, it was built by Wookiee slaves. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if a lot of this kind of jumped through hoops, like moving yeah. around, figuring this out, is so that they can recanonize that as well. Yeah. Yeah, it would make sense to do that. But it also makes sense that not just one alien race worked on this thing. Like, it, it it's it's, a, it's so big. Yeah, because, I mean, even if you think about, like, the hallways and everything, like, somebody's got to screw in all those light panels behind the walls and everything. And like, they build the Death Star 2 in, like, yeah. six months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it, I think it well, was like, also going simultaneously, okay. but then... Okay, because like, that one was just union labor. See, that, that was, I mean, if you think that's bad, like, they built Starkiller Base know, in, like, what, 30, 30 years? But I think that, that that's the thing, is, like, Jedi Fallen Order confirmed that they were building Starkiller Base long before the end of the original trilogy. Because Fallen Order only takes place five years after Episode 3. Mm-hmm. And you go to Ilum, and Ilum becomes Starkiller Base. Right. So, like, and he's there, and he's, like, goes through this certain like wall somewhere and he finds like the giant trench that they're like making for the laser. So like that was like confirmed suspicions like, oh, like they're working on this thing. Like, you know, Empire came out five years ago. So like really it's been under construction for even longer than those 30 years between episode six and seven. But, uh, but yeah, it's kind of interesting. I think like Palpatine's always got his, I don't know how he keeps it a secret, though. That's the thing. Like, how does he keep it a secret, and how does he get technology so far in advance? Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah. Do they have the power to suck out a sun <laughs> and then launch it at a planet? Yeah, it's like, okay, it's like the Death Star and the Death Star 2. I'm just trying to picture, like, timeline-wise, they must Bigger. have been started at Orange the same hits. time. Yeah, yeah. I'd want a smaller one as a prototype, but also start making the larger one and don't go cheap on it. Because we need two of them. Also, at the same time, uh, Billy over there, they're working on uh, Star Star Destroyers? There's the 500 uh, Star Destroyers, uh, sir. Yes, because because two moons with a laser planet-killing weapon isn't enough. I also have a second backup plan to have a planet-killing, planet-killing weapon. And in addition to that, if that's not not enough for your your chops, I've got a giant-ass... Imperial fleet above an ancient Sith world with planet-killing weapons on all of them. And uh, you see, just in case the Death Star blows up, we have the second one. We've got Starkiller Base, and we've got their fleet above Exegol. Sir, uh, do you want me to put all that in the Vanity Fair article? No, I want you to compartmentalize. This is the Imperial... uh, Manhattan Project. <laughs> I can't believe you're just speaking outwardly to the public about this. Yes. Uh, Vader, kill him. <laughs> uh, right, so um, what I liked about this episode was the relationship building between Callus and okay. Zeb. Yeah. That was like, pretty nice. Because up till this point, it was really just them having this feud. I mean, the Empire kind of destroyed yeah. Zeb's race, essentially. But yeah, yeah. It's kind of a big deal, but 
for the narrative of the show, it was them just kind of having this rivalry. Yeah, it was. And and so I kind of like where it's at. I like where they're bringing his character. So much deeper, honestly. So much, so much deeper, yeah. And, you know, it's it's cool to see how an Imperial like him is able to kind of maybe understand, you know, what goes through the mind of a rebel, like why they're why they're oppressed, why they're rebelling, right? Because he's he's on the other side of the fence and he's sort of locked into a certain mindset. You know, he just gets a f- breath of fresh air and he's like, oh, yeah, maybe maybe it's not so great, you know? Maybe the Empire is actually not so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, foreshadowing. Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of Imperials reach that point where they're like, well, like, what am I doing here? Like, I don't have any friends. Everyone will betray me. Like, doing all these these deeds that are kind of morally gray at best. Exactly. Yeah. Um, One other thing that I wanted to mention that just remembered now. Mm-hmm. So when, when Zeb and Agent Callus are in the, the ice cave, they get attacked by those monsters. Those big bird things. I think that was a, it's not really, it's not a cameo, but it's like kind of like a, a reference Easter egg to the movie Pitch Black. Oh yeah. Cause, uh, in Pitch Black, they fly, but the heads look very, very similar, and they're also these, like, cave monsters. Oh, okay. That come out. Interesting. That's still a movie I have to watch. <laughs> Super good, man. Yeah, you love Vin Diesel. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's hear uh, let's hear what Dave and Andy Gutierrez have to say about this episode, because, uh, as I mentioned last Rebels week... Recon! Exactly. As I mentioned last week, um, when Rebels was coming out, they would do a Rebels Recon episode every single time that a new Rebels episode hit hit Disney XD. So um, if anyone wants to go back and watch the Rebels recon ones from previous Rebels Talk episodes, uh, the link will be in the description going forward uh, for all of these. But uh, what we're going to do is take a listen to these on the podcast and uh, might give us a few extra little things to just talk about and also to provide insight in and open up room for more discussion before we move on to the next one. So without further ado... This is Rebels Recon inside the Honorable Ones. Hey everybody, Andy from StarWars.com here again at Lucasfilm Headquarters. This week we saw Zeb and Callus form an unlikely alliance in the Honorable Ones. And now, as usual, I'm here to take you behind the scenes. So grab onto your mysterious glowing rock things. This is Rebels Recon. on an abandoned Imperial construction module above Geonosis, the Rebels find themselves in a trap set by Agent Callus. How perceptive. During a heated bout of one-on-one combat, Zeb and Callus end up in the same escape pod and crash land on a Geonosian moon. If anyone finds us, it'll be the Empire and you will be captured. Pinned by creatures, the two must put their differences aside to survive and develop a unique understanding for one another along the way. This week, an unexpected union formed between Zeb and Callus while alone on the moon of Geonosis. I sat down with cast and crew to talk about how this will affect these characters going forward, as well as how it might change our opinion of Callus. Check it out. Zeb gets trapped on a freezing moon in the Honorable Ones with one of his mortal enemies, Agent Callus. Mm-hmm. How are the pair able to work together to survive? They're both warriors, and they understand that. They understand that they have to do what's necessary to survive. And, and in that process, I think there's a bonding between them and an unfoldment of parts of their past that they either weren't willing to look at or weren't able to look at. I think it's one of my favorite moments, actually, working on the show. We get to see another side of Callus in this episode. How do you go about changing the character of a villain into someone that audiences can be sympathetic with? 
Callus builds on some of what fandom has appreciated from the Empire. In the vast organization that is the Empire, there are people who thought they were doing the right thing. Now we're giving the opportunity to give those characters a moment of pause and reflection and ask themselves, are they really doing the right thing? Callus, based on his first encounter of the Sot, kind of judged Zeb with the same lens. And that's something we really wanted to explore, is once you get to know your enemy, you realize that you have more in common. I personally hate the idea of like a one-dimensional villain, because you really don't know what's driving them. And Callus, I think what's really interesting about him is we're finally getting to see the other side of him develop and revealed. I started to draw Zeb and Callus sitting and talking, and you start to see that image. And what's that like? And I think the fun thing is that Callus is more exuberant and over the top than he ever is when he's upside down hanging and thrown like a lawn dart into the ceiling and the freak out sounds he's making. You start to root for them as a team together and we wanted to contrast the warmth that Zeb would receive versus the cold nature of the Empire. The Honorable Ones is the first time we've heard about Geonosis in a while. What's happened there since then? Well, the last time we saw Geonosis, or it was implied we saw Geonosis, was actually at the end of Revenge of the Sith. It was this sort of incubation place where the Death Star project was originated, because Geonosians were the ones tasked to build it in the first place. You start to wonder, like, how they're building this thing. Even in a galaxy, how are they keeping it secret? Just in the supplies alone, you know, there, there must be a bigger story for how they're keeping everybody quiet, they buying everybody off. We just decided to touch upon that story briefly. The really ominous note is that Ezra gets the feeling that something terrible has happened on the planet. He's not sensing any life. The mystery of Geonosis is something we'll definitely explore later on in the series. All right, there we have it. And uh, the Rebels Recon, they always have this little fun kind of thing with uh, the chopper cam. So if you've ever watched Star Wars Celebration, you might know that Chopper is an actual droid that they do have. And, uh, you know, it's kind of neat. So, um, yeah. But anyways, uh, they always do a questionnaire with Pablo at the very end of every single every single um, uh, episode. And, uh, you know, my question to you, sir, is should we should we listen to these or should we just not bother? <laughs> Good question, because they kind of talked about everything that needs to be said. So I don't know why what we're doing here. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's, uh, there's some good insight though. Like, like Dave Filoni's comments. I always like, yeah. And the thing is, he's always kind of mixed in there with like the writers, like Henry Gilroy and, and yeah. everyone else. So yeah, at the very end, they always do like Twitter questions with Pablo. And uh, sorry, Pablo, I think we'll we'll just we'll just skip out on that. <laughs> You're gonna make our podcast too long. So <laughs> anyway, th th there you have it. That's uh, that's Rebels. That's Rebels Recon. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's show anything you want to mention about this one or should we just move on to the next one? Nope. I think we've pretty much covered it. We just got to counter poodoos. Pablo points your poodoos, right? Yes. All right. Pablo, no rebel recon for you, but we will award you with our honor, honorable point system named in, uh, after you. Uh, so Pablo points of poodoos. I got to give this one two Pablo points. I think it's pretty, pretty on the nose, I think, for just a, a great episode, you know, one of my favorites of the season so far. You know, two Pablo points sounds really good, but our listeners have no idea what we're talking about. Oh, yes. Okay. So for those of you <laughs> just tuning into Star Wars Escape Pod, are we have our wacky rating system called Pablo points or Pudus, and it's a scale of seven. Three Pablo Pudus is the absolute worst. Moving up from there, you got two Juan Pablo Pudu, 
and then you got a Bendu. Bendu is 50%. Bendu is in the middle. Then you got Pablo points. One Pablo point, two Pablo points, and three Pablo points, three being the absolute best of the best of the best. So, so two is very high. Two is pretty high. Two is, I mean, it's like an 80% roughly. Yeah, I mean, it's like a solid like B, if not maybe a low A or something a, like that. A minus. A minus, yeah. American I mean, school system. I would say two is like... You only award three to like the things that deserve Empire Strikes Back is probably like the bar. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like like Empire Strikes Back would get a three. I mean, you know, in my opinion, almost all the original six Star Wars films get a get a three three Pablo points. (laughs) They're the foundation. The clones? They're the yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They they are the foundation of Star Wars, right? So uh, they just have to. They have to have a three. Three Pablo points. Like you're worried that if you didn't give it three Pablo points, you'd be attacked by clones. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Um, okay, but yeah, I mean, uh, what would you get this? What would you get this one? I originally was thinking two as well. We're always on the same wavelength. I think we spend too much time together. So yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> uh, yeah. No diverse opinion there, hey. Yeah, I think I'll give it to you just because the we just got so much depth out of Zev. Yeah. And we've talked about him being a little bit 2D. Even in the episode previous to this where we explored his backstory a little bit, when we were looking at more of his race and him finding his original planet, he was very quick to just like, oh, that's great. And then they all just left and that was the end of it. Yep. So this, I think, was probably the first like big step where we're actually starting to see uh, some ongoing depth to his character. Yeah. And that yeah, goes for Callus sure. as well. Yeah. Because this is definitely the turning point for Callus, where he goes from a mon- like a monster of the week villain. Yeah, he becomes something more. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Uh, season 2, episode 18, Shroud of Darkness, directed by Saul Ruiz, written by Henry Gilroy, premiered March 2nd, 2016 on Disney XD. Ezra and Kanan, after facing off with the Inquisitors again, decide it is not safe for them to be around the rebels while they are being targeted by the Empire and decide to get us advice from Ahsoka. On her advice, the three set out for the Jedi Temple on Lothal, where each have a separate vision. Ezra, a master of Master Yoda, Kanan of the Temple Guard, who is testing him, and Ahsoka, a vision of Anakin and Vader. Uh, and as the Inquisitors track the group to the temple and force their way inside, Ezra is told by Yoda to find Malachor. Kanan is warned by the by the guard who reveals himself as the former Grand Inquisitor to beware Ezra's temptation of the dark side, dubbing Kanan the official rank of Jedi Knight, a rank he was never able to achieve due to his execution uh, or due to the execution of Order 66 and the extermination of the Jedi Order. During her vision, Ahsoka faces her guilt over not being present during the fall of the Jedi while also accepting the fact that her former master, Anakin Skywalker, has become the Sith Lord, Darth Vader. The three escape as the shades of the temple guards hold off the Inquisitors. Vader and the Empire's forces arrive at the temple as Ahsoka informs Ezra that Malachor is not a person, but a place. Uh, The duel is pretty cool, and they're getting better. Uh, I would say the, this episode Which kicks duel? off the, uh, the the very beginning. Yeah, the, the, it literally oh, just okay. jumps halfway into a lightsaber duel between Kane and Ezra and uh, the Inquisitors, right? The ones that have been hunting them this entire season. Um, they're getting better at fighting them at this point. 
And I think they've kind of, they're beginning to make it clear between the weeks that there isn't like a continuous story into the next episode. Maybe they faced them yet again and gotten away. So they're really making these Inquisitors out to be a bit of like buffoonery at this yeah, point. Yeah, it's definitely going in that direction. Especially yeah. considering we were introduced to them not that long ago. Mm-hmm. And they were very, uh, I guess, dangerous yeah. at the time. I will say the first thing that annoyed me was at the beginning of the episode, the the main crew of the ghosts, they complain like, how are they tracking us? They're already here because they're looking yeah. for a base. And then they go immediately go to the temple and they track them to the temple. I don't get it. How do they, how do how they, they know? track them? That's, I was, that's the first thing that came to my head. I thought it's for like, sure maybe there's like a... Because it's been a while since I've seen the, this show, but I thought there was a tracker on board the Phantom, and apparently maybe there isn't. It just wasn't brought up. And then, it, you know, we watched a few episodes since this, and it doesn't come up again. Yeah. So I have no idea how they found out where the Jedi Temple is. No, I, I don't know. It makes no sense. But again, it's one of those things it progresses along the story. Like we were talking about this earlier with some other things that we'll bring up in a bit. And, you know, it, it was just like, sometimes they do things that serve the purpose of the story, but not necessarily the internal logic of the, the lore and the universe. And it's like, just because you, you can because do something doesn't mean you should. Do you think it's just the same thing over and over again? So they stop sharing it. It's just Ezra keeps saying it out loud and then <laughs> droid overhears it. Maybe. Maybe it's implied it's constantly Ezra's fault that they're uh, <laughs> they're always being tracked. Yeah, maybe. It's They'll never funny. find us on Hoth. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Ahsoka watches Anakin's hologram um, and then she fills Ezra in on what happened in her last moment of seeing him. And this was a moment that we never saw when this episode first came out. Um, we were soaking up every little piece of, of word that she would say about the Clone Wars, about how it ended, because we were also in a state of mind once upon a time of like, how did this end? Like, we never got those final seasons. That's true. And now finally that we have that as a season seven. Mostly. Mostly, yeah. I mean, it should have been a season eight, but, you know, like we, we got a finale and we specifically in that finale have that moment where where she sees Anakin for the last time. And uh, it's it's sort of, you know it's the last time because you know what comes next. Even if you have never seen the Clone Wars before, you know what comes next, right? And I think that's kind of the crazy part about how they filmed that um, that last kind of scene when she says goodbye to Anakin and he gifts her her lightsabers again. And um, for her to kind of reminisce about this to Ezra is... It's, it's interesting because it's almost like, you know, maybe perhaps someone reminiscing about something that, you know, happened to them to the next generation and them not being around to really understand or, you know, alive to know what happened back then. But, you know, this is me telling you what happened sort of thing, right? It's like kind of the, one of those situations. Like, um, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of cool. It's pretty neat. And yeah. it also just feels a lot like a puzzle being slowly yeah. put together in different in the wrong order yeah thanks george yeah 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 totally uh kanan's trial so each of them had a vision kanan's trial was interesting he fights a bunch of uh jedi temple guards and one of them is revealed to be the grand inquisitor i don't think this is directly supposed to indicate that he is now one with the yeah, force that's what i was wondering yeah, yeah. So, so he's. It's definitely the force providing him a vision of 
of and knowledge, right? Like it, it's a test. It's also knowledge. It's also somebody would recognize. So I think the idea of having that character go up against Canon, because at the time, remember when the show came out, not everyone knew who Inquisitors were. Like, where did they come from? Who were they before the Empire? Right. right. And so were they this trained specifically by the Empire. So right. Was thought. Well, this episode confirmed to people back then that Inquisitors were once Jedi, part of the Jedi Order, right? And so I think it's important to to also know, you know, in the in the follow-up of that event when the, uh, what's his name? The fifth, is it the fifth brother? Fifth brother and yeah, seventh, seventh sister. sister. When they came in, they recognize him. They're like, you know, Grand Inquisitor, you know, like they, yeah, like they right do. off the bat, like they, of course they know who he is, but like, you know, to me, I just thought to myself, like, oh, yeah, they would have known each other before, you know, before the... Were they all previously Jedi, though? Yeah. All the ones we've seen so far. Hmm. Yeah. Because uh, that guy's pretty... The fifth brother's pretty menacing. Yeah, uh, he is. With his shark teeth. And yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah. He'd make a great Jedi. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure he was a Jedi before, but... Um, next book review that we do, it'll be... Inquisitor Rise of the Red Blade and that'll be really cool because that'll I think give us some real good insight on kind of the startup of where some of these Inquisitors came from before and the Vader comic doesn't really focus in too much on that but it does show us the origins of the Inquisitorious uh, but yeah I'm hoping that this novel kind of sheds more light on you know the mindset of these Inquisitors and really makes them deeper villains because right now they're pretty shallow they are pretty shallow yeah and they- only gets worse from here yeah. in the show at least <laughs> i wouldn't other than reva i wouldn't say kenobi did a whole lot of the, favors to well, the grand inquisitors the other inquisitors is probably the only one i would say that has depth to him yeah yeah but that's just because the performance of jason isaacs like yeah that's true he's just awesome but at least we get backstory <laughs> and stuff right like a little yeah bit. yeah that's true that's true yeah uh ahsoka's vision of anakin and then turning into vader behind her was truly haunting and amazing at the same time and she realizes that it is true so to go back to a previous discussion that we had uh, about the first time that she connects through the force with vader Mm -hmm. she blacks out and she can't really understand what it is but i think she knows that there's something not right right yeah there's an inkling right and in this moment, she does realize it's true, but she almost can't believe it, right? Yeah. Still, she just can't bring herself to well, as someone, accept could, it. Could you imagine if you found out, like, your mom was, like, like the most villainous person in right. the entire galaxy? Right, exactly. Like, someone yeah. you were, you're so close to, you've known your entire life. Right. Taught you. Your no, whole, it's just you wouldn't want to believe like, it. Like yeah. It, your mind would just not, not accept, right? It just, yeah, it seems unfathomable. Yeah. I can only imagine like how that affects Obi Wan, you know, when he fights. Oh, that too. The the difference though is Obi Wan already knew Anakin turned to the dark side. He just thought Anakin was dead. Yeah, yeah. Ahsoka had no idea. Right. Yeah. No, that that would be quite a shocker. Ezra Ezra has a vision of Yoda, and this time he's able to see him because Ezra's abilities have advanced, and so I guess he's able to, I guess, be the 
uh, a better receiving antenna for force power related communication. Does that um, mean that last time Yoda could see him, but he just couldn't see Yoda? I guess so. I don't know. Because Th- Yoda, that would be, be a funny discussion to have, <laughs> wouldn't it? Like, what? Who? Who are you? Over here, see you, I can. Can you not see me? <laughs> no. Uh, where am I supposed to look? Behind you, I am. <laughs> no, on your back, I am. <laughs> Catch. <laughs> Is that a kyber crystal? Oh, shoot. <laughs> ah! Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, I think that's what happened. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that was the real, the real episode that happened right there. Uh, yeah, so this was uh, Yoda admits to his fear to Ezra because Ezra questions like, "Oh, even you get it for you?" Like, and he's like, "Yeah, um, this was a reference to the Ark and the Clone Wars, where Yoda um, go- gets put through the trials by the Force priestesses to discover the the secret of immortality and and to really kind of be accepted as somebody who can maintain their identity after death because not everyone gets the gift, right?" And uh, I thought it was kind of cool that he admits his that he does have fear, you know, to Ezra, because in that arc, that was the arc that he did have to admit it and fight the fearful kind of demon version of himself. Yeah, it was right. The dark side it was the representation of his fear. Yeah, it was an it was like a um, what do you call that? Like a gremlin. manifestation, <laughs> okay. a manifestation of his fears. Like right. Yeah, basically a gremlin. I mean, he's basically a gremlin. Without all that, anyways, he's a frog. You he's leave a friendly him alone. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I thought that was kind of cool. It was a reference to that Clone Wars arc, and uh, you know, Kanan knighted. You know, after after he admits that Ezra's fight with darkness is out of his control. You know, once he gives up the fear of not being able to control how Ezra goes about the rest of his career as a Jedi. Uh, he's able to be knighted and he's able to move on, right? He's able to... He didn't seem that concerned about it until this point. Yeah, I Is guess it, so. I guess so. Ezra, I, Ezra would show anger, like going to battle, whatever, and he would just not even mention it or anything. Yeah. Like, we have a direct comparison now to Luke and Ray, right? Yeah. And Luke was like right in there about it. Like any sign, he was just, nope. Yeah. Whereas Kanan kind of was unresponsive. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I guess, I don't know. I guess every master goes about their training differently. Maybe we were supposed to, with this episode, I think we're supposed to be given the indication that there's a lot more going on in his heart than what we've seen, perhaps, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, obviously, he has a lot of fears for Ezra. He's got a lot of fears that that he hasn't trained him well enough that, that Ezra would potentially take on the dark side you know and and he, the first hint of this was when he raised all those creatures out of the pits and sent them yeah. on the inquisitors right like yeah. that was a i was like okay you just use the dark side of the force kid uh but then also there's been little things you know as time's gone by like when he was looking for his parents he like just head straight on in he was about to he was so kill, angry too yeah. yeah kill the inquisitors and all that it's like yeah okay um yeah, clearly, you know, he's got some anger issues like anybody, but attachment um, issues. Also attachment issues. Yeah, I think I think I think Ezra struggles with maybe his internal battle with the dark side a little bit more than Kanan does. And I think Kanan knows it, right? And his fear is that Ezra will one day be susceptible to taking on that dark power. And uh 
this is something that will be elaborated on as time goes by. Um, but him giving up that control, you know, if Kanan's no longer around, you know, I think he's basically surrendering himself to the idea that this is not a fear I can have. You know, I can only do what I can to train him the best I could, mm. you know, and that's everything that matters. And Sometimes I think it goes wrong. Yeah. And, and that's Darth Vader. Exactly. Voldemort. Exactly. And it's like, that's not necessarily something that he should be at fault for. But I think that's what he, what he's worried about. Right. So once he admits this, you know, they knight him. And I think that was like, that was his trial. His trial is letting go of Ezra. And just as Ezra's trials, you know, have kind of been there along the way, but, but, you know, it's it, every, every Jedi has their trial, right. To pass the, pass the test for Obi-Wan, it was killing Darth Maul, you know, for Kanan, it's this, uh, for Luke, it was, it was, uh, confronting Vader, you know, so. And confronting the fact that he is just as susceptible to becoming yeah. Vader himself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, why Malachor? Uh, because, and I, uh, we're going to jump ahead slightly, ever so slightly. Um, Yoda says to Ezra, find Malachor. And even though we've seen these episodes, as I say this right now, we're, I'm, I'm only briefly skipping ahead a little bit to the finale of season two. I won't get into any details just yet, but, uh, for those of you who haven't gone that far with the viewing process, but, um, when he says this, I still don't understand why he advises them to go there. And I think... Give me Yoda. Yeah. And maybe I'll bring this up in the next Rebels Talk episode that we do when we do talk about those episodes. But I think if I were to pin a guess on it, it would be Yoda had a vision of Malachor, of those characters, and had an inkling or a whisper, if you will, of that that's where they need to be. So when they go to him for help, that's the one piece of advice that he has that he can provide with the very precious seconds that he has left, right, in communicating with, with Ezra. Just in the same Such way. Such a random place to send them. And yeah. It, uh, it is. And, it, and, and, and that's why I'm confused about it. Right. The, even what they gain from it feels strange. Yeah. Because we know where it leads them. Yeah. And it's weird, I'm right? I'm not going to jump that far ahead. No. But <laughs> you see what I'm saying, though, when I say this, right? Like, like it's just one of those I things. Just... Like, why, why would Yoda recommend go hit up this Sith world? You know what's ironic? Our viewers are going to hate us because we're avoiding saying what the end result is. But... Yoda had planned the thing that this whole thing led them to anyway. Yeah, this is a, you're, you're. No, it's just, it, it's one of those things I think like he had a feeling, you know, he had a feeling that they were supposed to be there. It's like the will of the force that this be the place that they're in at a certain point in time. And he gets the feeling they have to know this, right? Almost like, almost like, why didn't he just say, Luke, Leia's your sister. <laughs> you know, like, why did he say there is another Skywalker? Like, 
<laughs> Everything's a riddle. You yeah, gotta yeah. It out. You got to earn it. And then you just got to picture Luke's wide-eyed, confused face in that moment. <laughs> uh, but it, it's just one of those things, you know, I thought to myself, you know, Yoda's always got a reason for stuff. Every time he says things, there's always a reason. He knows the force well. He's been communing with it for hundreds and hundreds of years. Over like, 900. Perhaps his his way of doing things isn't necessarily Logical. direct <laughs> translation. Yeah. I mean, like the force, and he says to Ahsoka in the Clone Wars, like the force works in many ways, in many mysterious ways, like, but always in motion is the future. So I think to him, this knowledge that he provides Ezra is not supposed to be knowledge that they take as instruction, but really just a clue of what should come next in their, in, in, you know, their adventure or mm. whatever, their, their quest for defeating the enemy what comes next right maybe he saw that the inquisitors would eternally hunt them down if they didn't go to malachor could be that maybe he knew that they that the inquisitors would die on malachor and they would make it out fine all of them right maybe he knows that and maybe that's just how he determined this is the best way to help them even though terrible things could happen there maybe this is the best way that i can assist them without giving away something that might not happen you know you might, might not have all the pieces either it's like anakin right like anakin misinterpreted a vision and things right. went terribly terribly wrong so yoda's being careful here you know it's like yoda what do i do how do i defeat the empire how do we defeat the sith how do we do this right it's like i think it's like his way of helping is not to exactly give you know, a possibility that, that might not be within reach yet, but really just to kind of guide them to the next stepping stone. And I think that's the best thing that any kind of mentor can do for anyone who's in a position of learning is like, what do you, like one thing at a time, what do you do next, right? So like when I thought about it, I was like, I think that's why Yoda just didn't like, didn't tell them much more than that. Mm. You know, that's, that's, that's what I break it down to. But, um, I don't know. That's a Dave Filoni question. It's a Dave Filoni question. But maybe we'll find out in uh, Rebels Recon. <laughs> oh. Uh, you started starting it? No. Malachor 5 is a planet from the EU that they recanonized. Yeah. So uh, you want to share with people which which Star Wars story that's from? Well, I know from KOTOR 2. KOTOR 2. Yeah. So I'm not... It might have been in a comic some before that. But I know it from KOTOR 2. And it's the planet where the end of the Sith Wars happened. Or like the, the big Jedi Sith War. Mm. And they they will get into it on the land on planet. But that is basically fully canonized now, which is super cool. Yeah, it is, yeah. And uh, and we will see it in a in a couple episodes of Star Wars Rebels. Mm -hmm. So and that is still some of the best Rebels episodes ever made. <laughs> oh man, it's so good. I'm excited to talk about those. Oh yeah, for sure. All right, let's take a quick listen to a little chunk of Rebels Recon. What's up, everybody? Andy from StarWars.com here at Lucasfilm Headquarters. This week, so much crazy stuff happened on Rebels. We saw the Inquisitors come back, Yoda, Vader, Ahsoka, the thing with Kanan. Oh, I can't wait. Let's just get this episode started. Rebels Recon starts right now. Yoda looks awful, by the way. Supported by Inquisitors at every turn, Kanan and Ezra seek Ahsoka's... Yeah, let's rewind that for a second here. I forgot to mention that Yoda's model looks terrible. Quarters. This week, so much crazy stuff happened on Rebels. We saw the Inquisitors right now. 
Yeah, look at that. It's awful. It's so bad. Uh, you know, my, fav- my favorite animated style of Yoda is from the Gandhi Tarkovsky series. That one is pretty good. The 2D one. Well, the 3D one is basically just based on that one. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah, look it up while we're watching this. Thwarted by Inquisitors at every turn, Kanan and Ezra seek Ahsoka's assistance on locating a safe place for a rebel base. It's times like these that Anakin and I would turn to someone like Obi-Wan or Master Yoda. Traveling to the Jedi Temple on Lothal, the trio must embark on separate paths to receive the answers they seek. Last time we spoke to Master Yoda, we were separated. Maybe this is my path alone. There, Ahsoka discovers the truth about Anakin. Yoda tells Ezra where the rebels should go next, and Kanan is knighted by a surprising former Jedi, all before narrowly escaping the Inquisitor's grasp. The Jedi are growing in their power. It will be their undoing. This week, our Jedi had some pretty heavy realizations inside the temple. I sat down with cast and crew to talk about what it was like bringing Ahsoka and Anakin into the show, whether or not the Grand Inquisitor was really a temple guard, and how Ezra has grown during his journey. Check it out. In what ways has Ezra grown since his last visit to the Jedi Temple? He's grown in the responsibility he has within the Rebels because now they rely on him for a lot more than they did at the beginning. The first trip to the Jedi Temple was kind of to teach Ezra and expose him to certain things. And this trip to the Jedi Temple is almost like a mission of sorts where he needs to get something from the Temple. In Kanan's vision, the Grand Inquisitor was shown as a Jedi guard. Was this true or was this just something that he envisioned. We talked to Dave when we were developing who the Grand Inquisitor was and where the Inquisitors came from. It became apparent that, yeah, they do have Jedi roots. Ultimately, the visions created in the temple are a means of communication for Yoda to instruct and teach these young Jedi. The vision of the Grand Inquisitor is entirely motivated by Yoda who's basically letting Kanan know that he is a Jedi Knight. Now that Kanan has been made a Jedi Knight, what does that mean to him? The fight that Kanan has, that's sort of his Skywalker moment. He doesn't win until he realizes not to fight, which not many Jedi ever reach that. And that's very rare in in the history of Star Wars. What was it like having Ashley and Matt work together again as Ahsoka and Anakin? It was weird. It was a weird throwback day for all of us because they used to work together all the time. But I'd been searching for a way to get Matt on the show. He could do many voices. He's very talented, but I wanted him to be back as Anakin. For Ahsoka and the relativity of her journey, you have to understand who Anakin Skywalker is, and you have to understand it within Rebels. Before you've gotten involved with the show, were you able to enjoy the first season of Rebels as fans? I definitely enjoyed the show as a fan, but secretly, uh, publicly, I tried to act like I was a bit more indifferent because I didn't want to give it away that Ahsoka came out at the end of season one. I really liked it. It's a really fun time in the Star Wars saga. Something that I really enjoy about it is seeing more of the Empire, kind of the behind the scenes. The first act of Shroud of Darkness implies that Anakin and Ahsoka were together immediately before the events of Revenge of the Sith. Has Dave given you any hints as to what happened in those final moments together? Not really much at all. Dave likes to keep things tight, but Dave is so aware of things. If, if If we needed a piece of that, for this performance, he would fill us in. I've tried to give as many clues as I can as to what did happen after she left the Jedi Order. For now, I have to treat the characters with the experience that I know they had. So Ahsoka can't lie. She can't say, the last time I saw Anakin, I walked away from him at the Jedi Temple. No, 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 because she has seen him since then. She was involved in a very important mission. 
at the end of the Clone Wars. We've gotten to tell a critical piece of her story, one that I wasn't sure I'd get to tell after Clone Wars stopped. Rebels has really been a benefit, not just for the people working on it, but to continue the story of a character that they all have been a part of creating. We're so close now to the end, so, you know, it's exciting. Today, I am going to have you analyze and look over all of these uh, analytics. All right, there we go. Whoa, 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 whoa. Dave said we're almost close to the end. I know, he did. He did say that, didn't he? I mean, uh, what do you think that is? What do you think that means? I close think, to the end. I think that there was might be a change of writing that was revealed with the t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, we'll get into that. I mean, obviously Ahsoka lives. Uh, otherwise, we would not be here doing Rebels Talk in anticipation for Ahsoka. I mean, series. I think, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But um, there you have it, everybody. So Pablo points or Pudu's on this episode. Um, 1.75 Pablo points, I would say. Hmm. I'll go 1.5. 1.5 all right yeah, I, think, I think that's pretty solid gonna definitely like the, yeah the, the upper middle awesome okay cool 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 uh let's move on season two episode 19 the forgotten droid directed by mel's wire written by matt mitchnovitz premiered march 16th 2016 on disney xd guest stars keon young stephen stanton gina torres james Excuse me, James uh, Adomian. Adomian, sorry. While on a ghost crew mission to steal fuel, Chopper steals a replacement strut for his original leg. <laughs> Chopper is separated from the ghost crew and finds himself stranded on the Imperial freighter. On in the Imperial freighter, excuse me. Uh, he is eventually discovered by the ship's inventory droid AP5, who does not report him upon finding out that Chopper is a veteran of the Clone Wars, just like him. AP5 explains to Chopper that the Empire does not appreciate his previous role as a strategist, and the freighter crew constantly mistreats him. Chopper removes AP5's restraining bolt, and the two work together to trap the crew in the cargo hold and detach it from the ship. Chopper makes contact with the Ghost, and AP5 warns them that the Empire knows their destination and has set up a trap. AP5 is shot by the freighter captain as he transmits new coordinates, but the Ghost crew repairs him by using the parts from the leg that Chopper stole. Uh, at the beginning of this episode, it kicks off uh, with Ketsu part of the Rebellion now, I guess. They'd never really... I guess that's just a thing. Yeah, the last time we saw her, she was like flying off and Sabine's like, well, maybe someday, you know, <laughs> and, and then... Know, that day is here. That day is here, apparently. So, there we go. Also, Did you ever notice previously that Chopper had mismatched legs? Uh, no, <laughs> I don't think I ever paid attention. I, I mean, quite frankly, though, like the way that he looks and stuff, he's just kind of rusty looking and there's textures and colors all over the place. So I right. really noticed that the models different to each. Like. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like episode four. Like I never really took in the once upon a time. I never really paid close enough attention that three PO has got a silver leg. It depends what timeline we're on. Depends. Yeah. It depends which, which, yeah, which movie you're watching but that's not what i meant <laughs> but go on depends what timeline you're on what oh there's a conspiracy that uh originally it wasn't mismatched legs and at some point we've switched timelines to an alternate reality what 
<laughs> okay, you'll have to tell me more about this later. Um, all right, uh, the 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 guy aboard this ship when uh, sorry the, the was it the shopkeeper the shopkeeper when when Chopper steals his leg you know all I could think of was. <laughs> <laughs> Again, another alien doesn't speak Khatiz or any sort of native yeah. tongue. Everyone is basic. Not okay. This Ugnaught should have been speaking. I think it's because they're expecting the age group to not be able to read yet. Subtitles, <laughs> not maybe. That young. Yeah, no, I just. Just like. I just. I still have my little. Schoolers. Throw my little bitter like slaps against rebels still, but you know, it, the old scars. You know, this old scars. Resistance. <laughs> Oh, wouldn't that be funny though if we start watching Resistance again and there actually is like alien speaking people in there? I bet. You know what? I wouldn't be surprised if there was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, class four container transport. This was that big triangular thing carrying all those cargo boxes. Uh, we've now seen this again in uh, the Bad Batch, but this was the only, uh, I believe, the only Star Wars Rebels episode that it did show up in. Just a fun little fact there. Um, Bad Batch. Season two, uh, when they steal a bunch of Count Dooku's treasure and stuff and end up getting away with absolutely nothing. <laughs> uh, it was that big, huge cargo ship that was just hauling off all of Dooku's hordes of things that apparently he has. And hmm. yeah. Neat. Yeah. Uh, I remember AP5 being inspiration based on Alan Rickman. Uh, that was something that stuck like with an me. Actor? Yeah, that is something that stuck with me over the years. That AP Five is very Alan Rickman-y. Was it he complains a lot? Uh, just his kind of like, well, you know, just his like monochromatic oh, kind of okay. low, kind of no fluctuating voice sort of thing. Right. Yeah. I did find it funny that like we now have the duo comparison to R two and three PO. Yeah, they're both grumps. Yeah, they're just like like the B movie crappy version. And yeah. They're just. They're like the stand-ins. You know, like the stand-ins are like the really rough. They like kind of look similar to the main actors, but they're really gruff. They're like yeah. always chain-smoking. Yeah. Like that's yeah. what Chopper and AP5 are. Oh, totally. Totally. <laughs> uh, they are both war heroes, though, and they have a bond over their service during the Clone Wars. And I thought that was kind of cool. And, you know, something that really... Similarly to the last episode, really, this this... Or two episodes ago, sorry... Um, AP5 is is kind of a mild, very tame, toned-down version of, of Chopper's version of Agent Callus, right? Like how Zeb and Callus have a moment of bonding and what they're on either opposite sides of the war today, which once upon a time maybe they wouldn't have been. And, uh, you know, something happens which, you know, they, they kind of connect over. And in this right. episode, uh, Chopper ends up making a very fast friend clearly it's this like a, the bottle episode version of it yeah yeah it bought yeah it, that's exactly how i would put it for sure because he ends up directly in this episode um saving the entire rebellion essentially by you know, letting them know that there's a trap um where they're supposed to be going and ends up helping them find a new location to set up the rebel base so thank you ap5 oh this has made me sound so slow but i was trying to picture the ship you're talking about yeah. Just previously the Dugu episode. So you're actually saying that this, like, the big ship container ship yep. is the one they used. The big, huge, triangular... Yeah. Yeah. And then it, it magnetized all of the, like, sea can ship containers behind it. Right. Okay. 
Yeah, I know talking about now. Yep. That is such a cool design. It I is. I like it a lot. Yeah, it is. It's, it's very cool. Yep. Uh, AB5 is, yeah, the one who is the hero of the Rebel fleet. Let's check out the Rebels recon for this real quick. Get into the last minute things, then we'll move on to the final episode. Let's do it. Your show's over. Now it's my turn. Rebels Recon starts right now. Forced to stay behind during another fuel heist, Chopper leaves his post to investigate a leg that's a perfect match for him. I see someone's interested in a new strut. One that matches. Chased by troopers after stealing the leg, Chopper escapes on an Imperial cargo ship, but is discovered by an inventory droid. You are not authorized to be here. Finding common ground through war stories, the two droids quickly become friends, hijack the ship together, and help the rebels find a safe system to call home. The planet checks out. Chopper really came through this time. So did his new friend. This week, Chopper ditched the rebels and ended up making a friend in AP5. I sat down with cast and crew to talk about these droids' history, Chopper's unique disposition, and I finally reveal the voice of the most cantankerous droid in the galaxy. Check it out. It sounds like AP5 and Chopper both have some Clone Wars history. Can you expand at all on where they were during that era? We started looking at Chopper and we realized out of all our heroes, Chopper doesn't have an arc. I don't think he's going to change much between now and whenever we're done telling stories about Chopper. He is who he is, but that doesn't mean he doesn't have a history. Chopper was a navigational astromech on a Y-wing and he actually crashed right outside of Hera's front door and she was a little girl who went and pried him out of that thing and saved him. AP-5 served on a Jedi cruiser as a tactical assistant. He was responsible for helping put together air campaigns and ground war against the battle droid army. AP-5, his model was in episode four. He's a Death Star droid, but I think he needed to feel a little more unique and special and we hadn't used that particular type of droid before. We know the Empire uses that model. We hadn't seen him, so he would feel a little more unique even though, you know, was an existing idea. We needed something that these droids would have in common. So it was a nice way to really relate the two characters other than their droids. You know, especially since AP-5 is an Imperial droid, a lot of the characters that are bad guys right now might have been good guys in the series before and that everything kind of twists and changes sides. So whenever we deal with characters from the Clone Wars era, we have to kind of explain a little bit of where they were. How do you think having a friend will change Chopper, if at all? I don't know if it will. I mean, it'll give him someone new to annoy. <laughs> yeah, he's got a new outlet. Chopper has a partner in crime now. We really wanted to create a relationship dynamic between the droids that was different than 3PO and R2. Do you think a whole episode about Chopper will go to his head? <laughs> yeah, of course, and I would hope it would. Um, he's got a big enough one. Chopper-centric episodes are always good. I don't think Chopper can get more egotistical than he is. It can only help. It can't possibly get worse than it is because he doesn't treat any of us with any respect ever. Chopper, this week was your week to shine. What was it like having your own episode? <laughs> So, big mystery, who does Chopper's voice? Oh, I do. You do? Yeah. So who does Chopper's voice? You're talking to him. I'm not gonna say I do Chopper's voice, but I'm also not gonna say that I don't do Chopper's voice. I'm not really sure if I'm allowed to say, but I mean, I'm here, so. Oh, wow. I actually voice Chopper. I said to Dave, I'm like, I really, 
I would love to do something on the show. Like, there's got to be a way to hide my voice. And so Dave came up with the idea of having me do the, the droid. Have you talked to Freddie and Vanessa all them? No. They'll tell you it's me, too. They don't let me do any of the Stormtrooper voices. I do, like, less Stormtroopers every episode. So I do Chopper instead. I do all the That's all me. It's obviously me. I mean, it's I, I think it's pretty clear. It's strange that people keep asking, who does the voice of Chopper? I find that to be such a rude question. It's like Chopper does Chopper's voice. I heard some of the actors were taking credit for voicing yeah. Chopper, even like Henry. Listen, wah, 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 wah. Okay. You hear it? Yeah, I'm starting to hear it now. Okay. This whole notion that there's, you know, a human behind it is absurd. Please. Chopper, it's been a big mystery among our fans since the show started. They really want to know, who does your voice in the show? All right, there we have it. Um, so, uh, you know, funny thing about the voice of Chopper is is uh, it's actually me. <laughs> oh, my gosh, Chopper's in the room. <laughs> well, actually, yeah. I do A5. Really? Yeah. I don't understand why we're even here. What is the point <laughs> of all this? This is a terrible podcast to begin with. <laughs> We'll just do that for the rest of the episode. Yeah, yeah. People would uh, give us a one star. <laughs> Dude, how funny would it be though if Dave was actually bringing in all those people and recording the chopper voice? Yeah. And then he just did it himself, so that everyone everyone thought it was them. Yeah, that would be because they actually recorded it. Yeah. But they weren't used. Yeah. And he did that for every episode. That would be funny. It'd be and everyone genuinely believes it's them. Cause, um, yeah, because Chopper only has a handful of lines, so it wouldn't yeah. even take that much time. That'd be like one of those things. That would be one of those crazy conspiracies, like how to like finish like the ultimate TV show that there's so much hype for and no one knows how it ends. You film like 10 different endings and no one knows yeah. like which one's which and you get different cast members at every single ending. Right? So that, that way, like, everyone's like, oh, no, this is how it ends. And there's so much like, confusion. Yeah, yeah, there's so much confusion. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, It'd be the ultimate prank, though. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, okay, so Pablo Points of Poodoo's, uh, I would give this one. I liked it. I just didn't think it was standout. It was it was fillery. It was fillery, sure. yeah. But I liked it. Yeah, it was good as far as filler goes. Yeah. I'll give it a Bendu. That's what I was thinking too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I'll, okay, I'll give it a 0. 0.5. 0. 0.5, so okay. 0. 0.5 Pablo points. That's not bad. Okay, some diversity in there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, last one here. Season 2, Episode 20, The Mystery of Chopper Base, directed by Bosco Ng, written by Stephen Melching, premiered March 23rd, 2016 on Disney XD. After finally finding a planet that is safe from the Empire, the Rebel fleet lands to set up their base. However, on one of their uh, one of their scouts goes missing after setting up the sensor beacon, and Sabine and, and uh, Rex go to investigate when they are attacked by a swarm of uh, Krykna spiders. Uh, Sabine is rescued by the ghost crew, but Rex is captured by the spiders, and the crew follows them and rescues Rex, but cannot escape upon finding the spiders have trapped the ghost with a web. Sabine discovers that the spiders cannot go near the sensor beacons that they had set up and uses one to ward them away while the rest of the crew cuts the web and escapes. Back at the base, instead of abandoning the planet, the rebels use their sensor beacons as a makeshift barrier to keep the spiders away. 
Ezra, Kanan, and Ahsoka decide to head for Malachor to find a way to deal with the Inquisitors. Um, so we got, uh, I guess maybe I was wrong about the white knobby spiders, but they bas- they're basically sort of like white knobby spiders. And, How are they different? Uh, well, they're called, they're called Krykna spiders here, but... The model's the same. Yeah, they're, I think they're all very similar. It's sort of like in that Mandalorian episode. Yeah, I just assumed it was all just the same ones. It's, Those it, ones it's similar. It's similar. Yeah, they're like the ice spiders. variant where they have like big long teeth, right? So like this one had more of like a crab mouth. Whereas like the other, the ones in the Mandalorian, like they have this giant like mandible teeth kind of like, yeah, but it's all on the same kind of white knobby sort of bottom. They're all white and they have giant legs. They're all kind of the same. Yeah, they're all like spiders with the vertical butt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, They're all the Ralph McQuarrie spiders in the end. (laughs) Yeah, they're all Ralph McQuarrie spiders in the end. They're all based on the same concept. Yeah. So. Don't you love how the galaxy is massive and there's only a handful of species of things? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I also love something about this episode, which is the fact that uh, in universe music, you know, very few times that we get this in the animated series. Yeah, this was cool. But Zeb turns up his radio and plays what's called, uh, Kevin Connor calls it, the Zeb Rock on the soundtrack. Just listen to a song about himself. The wind blowing in your face. Like, what, what decade of rock does this sound like to you? 80s. 80s, yeah. Like, yeah, it's 80s hair rock. Yeah, 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 totally. Anyway, I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, yeah, it's just like, yeah, it just kind of reminded me of that. I don't know. I thought that was kind of cool. It's like the first in universe rock song ever, I think, for Star Wars. I mean, I guess it's a big enough galaxy. It feels weird to say, oh, yeah, there's like rock and roll in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Star Wars Escape Park. <laughs> New intro song. <laughs> Got my picture in the in palace, palace zoo. zoo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm living life now that I'm free. <laughs> Cause you're the only escape home. November rain. All right. <laughs> with the with the Jedi being hunted by the Inquisitors, they consider leaving for the good of the rebellion, and the others must adapt to not having the Jedi around. And you can see that this is a bit of a struggle for Hera through as the episode goes on. Oh, being um, a leader. Yeah, being yeah. a leader without Kanan there and uh, without the help of Force users. Quite frankly, because, oh yeah, I mean, yeah, even like is even though it's not as intense as what we saw during the Clone Wars, Jedi are just so strong that they they yeah. make the impossible possible. Yeah, it's like Zeb's like Zeb's like, hey, isn't it fair that each team gets a Jedi? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ezra can't connect with the spiders for some reason, and I wanted to ask you if you had any theories why. Well, I know what happens. So, <laughs> is it? Does this come up later? Yeah, it does. Oh dang! Yeah, it's I. It's an inner peace issue. Right. Okay. So my theory was it was like they only resonate with like the dark side or something. Maybe. No, I don't think so. I think it's maybe that they're higher. They can. They can. They sense his. 
got his unease with them. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Does this this comes up in season three, right? With the yeah, Bendu and all that? Line. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so we'll get into it later. Um, sweet. Well, that's the last point uh, that I've got. Well, if you want to... Well, the couple annoyances, I guess, to start off with. Yeah. They These spiders are only harmed if you shoot them in the eyes. And their eyes are huge. And everyone is a terrible shot. Rex. <laughs> everyone. Sabine. They all yeah. take like 50 to 20 shots to take out a single spider. I know. Rex, kinda... Rex grabs once was punching it in the face because he can't shoot it at point blank. Yeah. Meanwhile, He's like, three like feet away. flashback to like the first episode in Rebels that we see him in. And he takes the out sniper. that probe from like, you know, five kilometers <sighs> away. Oh, yeah, yeah. Doesn't make any sense. And then the first time that he shows up to those rookies in Clone Wars, he like takes down that giant worm just single handedly with a <laughs> pistol, shoots him directly in the eye. He's like, "The name's Rex, but you can call me Captain or Sir." <laughs> <laughs> and I remember that quote what because happened? I had a helmet from from <laughs> the Clone Wars with Rex, and it would play that quote and drill it into my ears every oh single time God. I hit the button on it. So. The name's Rex, but you can call me Captain or Sir. Yeah. Uh, okay. Next thing. I think Dave Filoni is a KOTOR fan. Oh, he must be. He has to be, because there's so many things pulled from those games. Guess what's pulled from this episode? The White Navi Spiders? Or the, the, the Beacons. The Beacons. The Beacons are pulled from the first KOTOR game. Is that so? Yeah, so in Kashyyyk... Uh, there's a, a side quest where you run into these these Sith. They're like basically Imperials, but they're Sith in that game. And they're they're on the the bottom of the Kashyyyk planet where there's a lot of um, like monster creatures or whatever, right? So it's like yeah. it's, it's a big trial for the Wookies to go down. It's called the Shadowlands. Okay. The Shadowlands, which is like the the ground level of Kashyyyk, and only the greatest warriors survive. But they the the Sith have found out they can place these beacons, and it keeps the monsters away, so they can, they can like work on like quarrying and stuff or whatever. Right, well, that's kind of cool. And they just use that again in this this episode. And he's he must be a fan of the he's game. He's got to be, but he never talks about it. Maybe, cause like, or is it just that he has is so full of knowledge of stuff that he doesn't he need to just, reference it? Just well, like, he just knows that it already exists, so it's easy to pull. Yeah. I I'd, love, I'd love to ask him that if he's ever played the KOTOR games because they seem to come up a lot. Yeah. Just like he almost brought back Revan. Right. Yeah, in Clone Wars, yeah. All right, cool. Well, uh, the last, last Rebels Recon for the day. Let's take a listen to this, and then we'll sign off. This week's a little tough for me. I don't like spiders. I don't like talking about them. They're just, ugh. Me neither, Andy. Ugh. Rebels Recon starts right now. Stop. at their new base, the rebels begin setting up sensor markers that alert them of any intruders. However, they soon learn that there is something more terrifying on the planet than the Empire. After rescuing Rex from the creatures, the gang finds themselves surrounded and outnumbered until they learn their salvation lies not in their weapons or connection to the Force, but with the markers themselves. Unwilling to give up their new base, the Rebels find a way to stay on the planet while Ezra, Ahsoka, and Kanan prepare to leave on a mission of their own. We'll see each other again. 
I promise. This week, we watched the Rebels arrive and immediately come to terms with their less-than-ideal base. I sat down with cast and crew to talk about what those things are, why Ezra can't connect with them, what we can look forward to in the finale, and much, much more. Probably spiders. Where exactly is the new rebel base? Is it hidden enough to keep the Imperials away for a little while? You know, the Empire is looking to expand, but it isn't expanding uniformly. All empires want to expand because they want to control everything that they don't currently have control over, but they're also focusing their resources on controlling territory that they already have. The main thing Atalon has for it is it's off a major route. There's no real resources there anyone would want. It's in a zone that has not been discovered yet but that won't, you know, keep them safe forever. There was an entire sequence cut where we were able to show that this base wasn't on any Imperial star chart. It's sort of a mystery as to what is special about this system. So we've never seen a planet like Adelon before. Can you talk us through a little bit of the creation mm -hmm. of that? Because of the sort of inhabitants that Dave had in mind, he had ideas for creatures that would be camouflaged into the environment. So you could look at them and not even realize you're looking at an animal. Many fans are already aware that the spiders come from an old Macquarie concept, mm -hmm. but can you tell us a little bit more about their design and origins? They were described as vaguely insectoid, but nothing more than that in the script, so it was a little open. But because Atalon is this sort of very coral, sort of aquatic-looking environment, we thought, well, crabs or spiders or some sort of spiny lobster thing. The one thing that was interesting was that the Macquarie design has eight legs because it's a spider. The one that's in the show has six because, honestly, it's just easier to deal with yeah. in animation when there are less limbs. Ezra has the ability to connect with creatures, but he can't connect with these spiders. How do you think it affects him knowing that he has this roadblock? It's very frustrating. Mm -hmm. I mean, naturally, he is someone who's having success after success after success, and then seeing something they can't do. Ego comes into play, and he starts getting a little upset. I think when we are first developing the idea of the spiders, we really wanted to show that not all creatures can be manipulated by the Force. Ultimately, it's in their nature. There are some things in nature that are just inherently dangerous. They serve a value in where they are in the world, but, you know, it's not that they're evil. It's just what they the thing that Ezra doesn't realize is that he relates to things through the Force, but the things that he kind of knows or that are of his time. Every now and then when you're in a weird corner of the galaxy that nobody goes on a planet that no one's been on in a long time, you encounter things that are older and more bizarre than you could imagine. And so he can't relate because he's relating to things in the Force as he understands. At the end of this episode, the Jedi are going off to take on the Inquisitors. Can you give us any hints about what's going to happen with them in the finale? The story is big enough and momentous enough that it's entirely focused on the Jedi storyline. We've essentially said goodbye to Hera, Sabine, Zeb, and Chopper for the time being in this season because we're shifting our focus entirely to what Kanan and Ezra and Ahsoka have to do. Last piece. Perfect. All right, there we go. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I don't know. Does that open up any more room for conversation? Anything that, that was mentioned there? Well, I didn't realize the planet was called... What was it? Al uh, Adelon. Adel Aldelon. Uh, Atalon. Atalon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the first thing I noticed is... Uh, we're talk talking to this kind of off-podcast here. Why are... Star Wars has... You know, it's massive. Why are all these names so similar? Just because here's similarities? And you're like, oh, that sounds good. Adelon, Alderon, Onderon, Onderon. They're all very similar. Yeah. Why? 
We don't have Hoth and Both and Smoth. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's one of those things that's just like, they couldn't have thrown in another letter in there, you know? It's just like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, Adelon. Gee, I hope they don't spend a whole nother season here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dave. <laughs> yeah. All right. Pablo points of Prudus. Uh, I'll give it a... Screw it. I'll give it a one Pablo Pudu. Oh, you get a Pudu? Yeah. Like Something's got to get a poodoo every now and again. This one's a poodoo. Oh, wow. Didn't like this I mean, one. why didn't it need to happen? Why do we need to know about these spiders on this planet? Like, well, we were excited. It's a filler to the, it's a filler came, to the nines. When this came out, we were so excited that Ralph McQuarrie's stuff was getting used. That is the only cool thing about it and why it doesn't deserve two Pablo poodoos. <laughs> uh, well, I was going to give it one. This one. is the only one out of all the ones we've seen today that I just, I'm like... I could have just gone without it, you know? It's yeah, just like... Take it or leave it. The only thing that's awesome about it is that we've seen another Ralph McCoy thing come to life and Zeb Rock, and that's pretty much it. And KOTOR. Other than that... Oh, yeah, and the KOTOR and spike KOTOR. things, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, other than that, all the characters suck. Their aim sucks. That's true. You know, like, like it's just... They didn't even have a funeral for that pilot that died. Like, no, like they just forgotten about Yeah, her. they just forgot about her. Like, it was a mess. <laughs> I just I feel like criticizing this one of them one every now and again. Yeah, uh, this one this one's a good good uh, good target to be a picked on if any. So I'm picking on this one. Uh, what would you give this one? Well, I was gonna say one pop of point, but you made me feel bad, so I'm gonna give it a half. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well, uh, I'm glad it has some someone who who, who gives it some love. Um, and that is pretty much all we got for today. Is there anything you want to bring up before we uh, before we wrap it up here? Just man, I'm I, I love I'm an old OG fan. Yeah, as OG as I can be, you know, from the '90s. But I'm loving all these these Kotor references. I think that's super cool. I love bringing back as much EU as we can. <sighs> Where is Mary Jane? <laughs> Or is Mary Jane indeed? Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, or Star Killer. I've been replaying the Force Unleashed games. Oh yeah, well, those are good games. We'll get, in, we'll get into that in the next section here. I know Bryce had an interest in doing like maybe you, you and him both want to do a, a, a vintage Star Wars video game night at some point. We'll talk about all these old Star Wars games that came out once upon a time. That'd be cool. I just finished influences on Star Wars. Yeah. I just finished beating Star Wars Jedi Academy. Oh, there we go. Yeah. So that's an oldie. It's like 2000 something. Yeah, yeah 2001 or something. Yeah. yeah. I'd never played it before. It's my first time through. We'll definitely we'll definitely do a do a chat about all it's these a lot games. Of fun. Yeah. It'll be as long as the uh, what uh, as the uh, Star Wars that never happened. Yeah. The the Star Wars video games are endless. You know what I missed <laughs> about old games? Poor AI pathing. Oh, jeez, yeah. <laughs> games are so much harder now. <laughs> Man, being able to abuse that. Now, uh, yeah, now, now anything, you now, now, anything with poor AI <laughs> Now, if people complain about any like small bug, but back in the day, like that was just like that was just the game, you know. 
That was just you the game. You've got to work around it. That's the challenge. That's the challenge. <laughs> exactly. That's why you go to the mall and buy the magazine that tells you how to beat the game. Yeah, it just gives you the cheat codes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, buddy. We'll catch you in the next one. It's always a blast. We'll see you out there. Keep flying. All right, and uh, thank you all for tuning in. We uh, we love having such a fantastic audience, and we would love to hear from you if you stuck with us so far in the episode. Uh, you know, thank you so much. We love those five stars. We love the reviews. And if you want to provide your Pablo points of poodoos to us, I mean, let us know. On Spotify, there's a cool new feature where you can do a Q&A thing. Just hit the answer button. Just throw in your response and it goes right to our inbox. So that's a super cool new feature that we'd love to utilize a little bit more. Other than that, toss your name in the giveaway. There is a few days left, less than three, I believe. So toss your name in the hat. May the force be with you guys. And we'll see you in the next episode of Star Wars Escape Pod and Rebels Talk.